Here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. It's just after 8 o'clock. I'm Spencer the Wiz, and this is Out of Line. If you are listening for the first time, we are here live, same time every week on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. For the time being, we are broadcasting out of my studio because due to COVID-19 protocols, all live shows have been kicked out of the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio. I'm joined today by my father, who is going to help me throughout the show, who hasn't dreamed of doing a sports radio show with their dad, by the way. Also part of the show and social distancing back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio is producer Doug Douglas. He wears a lot of hats at Lotus Broadcasting and is also the press box announcer for all the Vegas Golden Knights home games. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network. You can also follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at AdelineFoxLV. That's Adeline at FoxLV. Uh, and since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line, 1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. Yeah, What's on Tap is brought to you by our title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home, uh, <laughs> refinancing the home you currently own uh, residential bank corp is the company you can turn to for all your home financing needs residential bank corp funding america one neighborhood at a time on tap the golden knights begin their preseason tonight in the t-mobile arena against the san jose sharks at 7 p.m we will bring on producer doug douglas to talk about the team physically and financially after my dad and i will go over the nfl top 10 power rankings which i made We'll preview the Las Vegas Raiders home game against the Dolphins. And at the end of the show, the Las Vegas Aces head coach, Bill Lambeer, um, you know, will be joining the show to talk about, you know, who they will be playing in the playoffs coming up here. They will find out today and we'll go over, you know, the team and their success this season. What's on tap? If you're looking to buy a home or refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one neighborhood at a time. And in just a moment, we will have on the normal host here, and it looks like he is ready. That is Brian Feldman. He is joining us from Detroit. He's getting ready to go to the Lions game. Brian, what is going on? Hey, what's happening, Spencer? Uh, yeah, sitting in Detroit at the famed uh, Marriott Renaissance Center, built in 1977, refurbished in 2014. And uh, you can, probably can't see real clear behind me out the window, but um, we are literally separating, separated by a river. The Detroit River separates us and Windsor, Canada. I'll kind of hold up, and you can see right there the river behind me that is out our uh, window here. And again, you can see that is Windsor, Canada, right across the river. But I'm sitting in Detroit, Michigan. Michigan getting ready for a little masochism. I'm going to go to Ford Field and watch the uh, watch the Detroit uh, Detroit Lions play the Baltimore Ravens today. Was uh, supposed to go to the MSU game last night, but uh, just tried to pack too much into two games, so missed a hell of a game in East Lansing last night. But um, having a good time, man. Uh, well, good time for right now. We'll see what happens when I go to the Ford Field in a couple of hours. <laughs> You'll probably be a lot happier before the game than after, I would imagine. But who knows? Could be. I'm not. I'm actually not convinced. I think the Lions offense looks a lot more competent. Actually, I, you know, why don't we talk about that Detroit game for a second? I mean, you're going to sure. be going there. What's going to, you know, what are your predictions for this game? Everyone seems to have Baltimore Ravens. You know, I'm doing my power rankings in just a second, but everyone seems to have the Ravens like number two. They beat the Chiefs last week. Not in convincing fashion, in my opinion. Uh, do you think the Lions have any sort of chance today uh, after, you know, a really brutal schedule to begin their season? 
Spencer, it's the NFL, not for long. I mean, you never know what can happen. On any given Sunday, as we know, anybody can win a football game. And the Detroit Lions are capable of beating the Baltimore Ravens simply because they're a professional NFL franchise. Should they beat the Ravens? No, the Ravens are coming off of a big win, as you mentioned, against the Kansas City Chiefs. A few controversial moments in that game, but the Ravens won it. And the Lions, of course, coming off a really bad second second half against uh, the Green Bay Packers after playing a good second half against San Francisco. They fell too far behind. Uh, their reward for that was getting to play the saltiest Green Bay Packer team they've probably played in 50 years, with Aaron Rodgers being ridiculed all week for his performance against the Saints. And then, of course, uh, the perfect remedies. I said last week on the show, Spence, remember I said no matter what, take the Packers in this game. And I also said, isn't it amazing that if you were a Packers fan and you had one wish, just one, after that New Orleans game, any Packers fan that knows anything about football would have said one wish, please let me play the Detroit Lions at home. And guess what? They got their exact wish, and that's the fate and the luck of the Detroit Lions to get to go to Green Bay right after Green Bay just plays the worst game in 50 years. So that, that's that's the way it rolls for the Lions. Today's game, I don't expect to be a lot different than last game, Spencer. Baltimore, um, a better defense than Green Bay. Uh, Lamar Jackson, one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the National Football League. He'll make some bad passes once in a while, but you know he's multi-dimensional. He can beat you with his feet. He can beat you with his arm. And um, it is going to be a long afternoon for the Detroit Lions. You know they lost their starting cornerback last year's number one draft pick out of Ohio State. Pops his Achilles tendon in the first game. More of typical Detroit Lions luck. I don't mean to sound like a crying border, like a, a a poor me type of guy, but I'm sorry if you're a Detroit Lions fan. As I mentioned many times, we don't feel sorry for anybody else we feel sorry for ourselves that's what it's like to be a Detroit Lions fan so here I am in Detroit today feeling sorry for myself Spencer well you talked about Lamar Jackson but let's talk about Jared Goff for a second I know you weren't too excited to get him in the offseason but honestly you know you know let's be honest with ourselves he's looked pretty good so far this season would you uh would you admit that pretty good if he was playing in the Canadian Football League, Spencer. Oh, what, what, is, what is your definition of – he made a pass last week – uh, that that I watched him make against Green Bay in the second half where he just floated the ball right up. He's a poor decision maker. I don't think he sees every throw on the field. And Spencer, I've often said that my argument was who is the worst quarterback to ever start a Super Bowl? I've always said it's between Vince Ferragamo with the 79 Rams. He was a career backup. He got to play because Pat Hayden got hurt before the playoffs. So Vinny Ferragamo came in and actually played admirably against the Pittsburgh Steelers in their final reign as the, as the Steel Curtain and Terry Brown. Their last super, he played well. And then I always say Rex Grossman, what a gift Peyton Manning got getting to play a Chicago Bear team led by Rex Grossman. Most teams that played in Super Bowl would have beaten that Bears team, but I stand corrected. Jared Goff is the worst quarterback to ever start a Super Bowl. I say that he looked like a deer in headlights. He scored no points in that Super Bowl. And in big games, he folds. And the bottom line is defense wins Super Bowls. And the Rams had and have a hell of a defense. And that's what put him in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Not Jared Goff. They also had a good running game with Todd Gurley, who has since departed, not the same back he was then. Uh, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to sit and completely stomp on Jared Goff. He does make a few, you know, He's an NFL quarterback. Does he belong in the NFL? Yes, I believe he does. Would he start on most teams? No, I believe that he wouldn't. I believe he'd be a backup. But on the Detroit Lions, I mean, the backup quarterback's name is Blow. So does that that, that should be all I need to say. 
No, well, I just think you're a really upset fan. I, I don't know if this is a um, impartial opinion. Why would that be I an upset fan fest? We've we've won one playoff game in 56 years. I should be a thrilled fan. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Uh, so, actually, uh, are you going to be able to stick on for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights segment here? Um, you could go ahead, run the Gold Golden Knight segment. Our breakfast up plans got a little bit thwarted because my cousin, who owns a really nice restaurant in Detroit, just told me like it's a two hour wait and he's not even in town right now. So, our breakfast plans change. We'll probably grab something to eat on the way to Fort Field in a few minutes and we're a hop, skip, and a jump from there right now. So, yeah, I can hang on for a minute. Go right ahead. Let's do it. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up, they come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. And, uh, yeah, you know, physically speaking, the puck does start in just um, tonight at 7 because the Golden Knights have their first preseason game uh, of the season against San Jose. And we're bringing on producer Doug Douglas for this one. I have a few questions for him, as I'm sure uh, Brian does as well, and I'll you know just kind of get things started here. So they have a big change coming on their third line this season with the addition of Nolan Patrick and <laughs> Evgeny Dandanov. I hope I said that right, but uh, they did lose Nick Holden. Uh, but what kind of production could we see out of those two? You know, with Matisse Yanmark, who obviously was a surprise player for the Golden Knights last season. Yeah, I think uh first of all, hello to both of you and wow, this is this is this is technology right here when I see this. I mean, you guys both sound great. But I will say this. Uh you know, tonight's game is a split squad game, so who knows. We probably won't be seeing many people tonight to be honest with you, but that is what needs for the Golden Knights to do, as Brian and you have both so eloquently said in the past, you know, their playoff shortfallings have really been their Top line's not scoring, so all of a sudden, if you can make your third line more dangerous, this team, whether some fans like it or not, they're building to try to get that cup, which they should be happy. But, of course, as we know, you know, personnel changes can cause many fans to cry, and the proof will be in what they do in the playoffs because in this now, quote-unquote, their regular division again they should make the playoffs i mean they are the cream of the crop in this division they don't have to worry about certain teams like they did last year and i think those additions will prove uh interesting especially uh later on in the year when uh, tuck will be returning we'll see where he then slots in yeah it's going to be interesting doug and first of all i appreciate that and did you really use the word eloquent when you talked about me and spencer spence i man eloquent man i'm going to put that in my resume i like that that term and uh no one it's kind of cool me. We can't see the other part of you, but we see by ear you're connected to somebody there in your messy bedroom. Although your bedroom looks good, you just didn't make your bed this morning. But uh, I see your dad's next to you and, and sharing earbuds. That's really cool. So make sure to get Mark in the picture and on the show eventually. And, Doug, you know, you make a great point. You know, you really need – three scoring lines your fourth line is is typically on most teams is kind of your tough line and your disruptive line although you like to get some productivity out of that line as well which is probably why they made the move with ryan reeves uh because uh, as far as uh 
as far as tough guys go, I think Keegan Colasar and William Carrier can handle that role well enough. Plus, the two of them have softer hands and have a better ability of putting the puck in the net than Ryan Reeves. And I think that's why uh, the departure of Ryan Reeves and uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. But the third line, Spencer, as Doug said, is extremely important. And I truly get, uh, I truly believe it will be short up. Nick Holden, hey, he was a solid player, but I think what they're replacing him with is better. And as Doug alluded to, when Alex Tuck comes back and hopefully he comes back uh, feeling really good and playing really well, he tailed off a little bit at the end of the season. We saw last year what Alex Tuck is capable of. He's physically large in stature, over six foot two, which is great for an NHL player. And Alex Tuck is a great skater as fast as anyone in the league. All he's got to do is become a little bit better of a finisher. And Alex Tuck is going to be talked about as one of the better players in the National Hockey League. So I am looking forward to it. It's tragic that they're without him to start the season. Middle interesting and always good, regardless of how bad I think San Jose is going to be this year. It's fun to have them come in in the first preseason game because they really have become somewhat, or more than somewhat, a definite rival to the Vegas Golden Knights. It just tailed off a bit last year because their productivity as a team and their talent level kind of dropped a little bit down. So they weren't as much of a rival, but I look forward to uh, to that. Um, I look forward to seeing them tonight, and I'm looking forward to that season getting underway, Spence. Yeah, so this is obviously the first preseason game, and I wanted to talk about something not you know physically with the team, but financially. So I did a little bit of research tonight to look at ticket prices. You know, the upper bowl is thirty-eight dollars, and you know maybe you want a chance to go to the lower bowl. I'm going to let everyone here guess how much do you think a lower bowl ticket is for a preseason uh, Golden Knights game? I, I have the price right here in front of me. Well, you just said an upper bowl ticket was you said thirty-eight dollars. $38. Wow. I'm going to have to say a lower bowl ticket can't be any more than 75 Then this is for the preseason, obviously, not the yep. regular season. I'm going to say, I'm going to go out and I guess Doug probably knows the exact answer. I'm going to say $70 for a preseason lower bowl ticket. I don't know the exact answer, but I will say this from an economic standpoint, I would wait if you are going to do wait till about five minutes before have that app on the phone and you'll get a lot lower than that. I see Chris Wynn guess 60 bucks. I'm going to say, given the pricing, there's some people that want to dump those tickets because it is also Raider game day. I'm going to say you could find some lower bowl for 34. That's right. You're shopping and you find it for even less. That's crazy. Doug. Wacky, wacky. <laughs> well, I was saying, Doug, we're, we're talking about what is face value of the lower bowl tickets, though. That, that was my guess. I would agree with you. I think you'll find tickets for $25, $30 because the Raiders are 2-0 and and people want to see that game. But I would say face value, my guess, is like $60, $70. Win says $60, i am saying $70, face value. Well, I'll tell you this. I looked on Ticketmaster last night. There was only one ticket available in the lower bowl, and it was going for $338. That yeah, but that's the not the – what's the face value is what we want to know. That's the That's, that's the, the only ticket you could get in the lower bowl, face value. Okay. I don't know. I mean, how do you even – face value versus you know, what you – for lower bowl ticket against the San Jose Sharks in the preseason. Yes, I looked, My, I looked you know what? It's not shocking me. It's not yeah. shocking me. Well, I want to talk about that for a second. You know, I think obviously that's a shocking number. It's, it's an incorrect number for a preseason game. But you do have the, the, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders in town now, of course. And they can charge whatever they want for a ticket because someone's always going to be willing to travel to the Raiders game to pay whatever the price may be to center around their, you know, their experience. 
is the ticket prices going to get worse? Because obviously they've already gone up significantly in price. I was at the very first. Home are you game, talking, Spencer? Was... When you say worse, are you talking Golden Knights or Las Vegas Raiders? Yeah, I'm talking like the Raiders will probably keep going up and up. I'm guessing, but you know, how will that will it affect the, the Golden Knights at all? Seeing that they can charge whatever they want, are the Golden Knights going to be able to emulate that? Because I think I spent 112 uh, per ticket for the first home game of the season, and you can't you probably can't get prices like that now. So for you two, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? This is important for local, you know, Vegas people. Well, I'll go first. I'm interested to hear what Doug says. But first of all, the Raiders have not been, number one, the NFL and NHL can't be compared because every NFL game is an event. There's only now 17 regular season NFL games, which means half of those are at home. So I'm guessing there'll be nine at home, eight on the road. Uh, It is just, it's such a limited opportunity to get to see them. And especially with the Legion Stadium still being new as far as this year as the first year fans are allowed in. So you can't compare the two. Um, But Golden Knights are still an experience. When you go to a Raiders game, now I didn't, I haven't been to the first, the, the preseason game against Seattle this year or the regular game, so I'm not sure of what they're doing their pregame before the, we start seeing it televised. So maybe I can get enlightened on that, but I, I can't imagine it's anything like the show put on by the Vegas Golden Knights. That's something not seen anywhere in sports. I've said for years, when you go to a Golden Knights game, it's like you go to a Vegas show and a hockey game breaks out. So it, it's something a unique experience that I think people are still willing. Uh, if you pardon my economic terms, but to maximize their utilities, they will pay well above face value for a Vegas Golden Knights tickets. I think right now with the Raiders early success and Allegiant Stadium uh, being brand new, people will still pay a pretty penny for those tickets as well. But I think in the long run, you know, until either the the Raiders have a a pregame show like the Knights do, that's still a very unique event that many people I've talked to that haven't been to a Golden Knights game really want to go. And it seems to be more of a bucket list than going to a Raiders game, believe it or not. Well, and speaking, you have to remember, even on Ticketmaster, that's the secondary ticket market. Ticketmaster now has delved into the secondary ticket market. And I'll give myself a plug if you ever want to read a book, Never Sold Out, by a guy named Doug Marsh on Amazon.com. You'll learn about the secondary ticket market, uh, how it kind of started back in the 80s, and how Ticketmaster certainly has changed their tune because now they list secondary markets. So that's the thing. You also have to remember that if I put up on eBay a grain of salt for $5,000, that doesn't mean I'm getting $5,000 for a grain of salt. Just like that ticket, that single lower bowl ticket, it doesn't mean somebody's getting that. You can put anything up, and then we'll see what happens to go. But it also... And since my uh, bachelor's is in economics, love the utility, maximize utility and all that kind of stuff. Very eloquent. Again, you got two eloquence there, Brian. But I will say this. You have to look at supply and demand. And there's also less seats at where the Golden Knights at T-Mobile or the Fortress than at Allegiant. Granted, there are more games, but I think you're 100% right, Brian. It is more of an event right now. And they have, no matter what, they captured the city. There were less diehard hockey fans here in the desert, so they captured more of the local market. There's still a lot of people here that aren't Raiders fans because they've had their teams, and it's going to take a lot for the Raiders to win them over. And you were right, Spencer. This is also a destination where, yeah, your team's an away team. You're like, oh, they're playing Las Vegas? That's the game I'm going to. Yeah, no no doubt. So um, 
that's about all I had for the Golden Knights, Brian. Do you have any other uh, thoughts here before before the final preseason? Game? Nope. I'm, I, I think we're all. I think I, I probably speak for Doug, for you, Spencer, for all of us. We're excited about this season. We are looking forward to the new look Golden Knights. Of course, the face of the franchise, Mark Andre Fleury, now a Chicago Blackhawk. Uh, so that's going to be unique for all of us. I mean, he is the face, or has been the face of the Vegas Golden Knights, and it's going to be a unique situation with Robin Leonard between the pipes starting tonight. I'm sure we'll see him in goal for at least a period tonight. And um, it's going to be an interesting, it's a new regime. And I think Robin Leonard's going to do a fine job. I think this team will be improved. And I think the key to the success of this team, I agree with Doug, there's no reason whatsoever this team shouldn't make the playoffs. So, you know, I mean, Doug alluded to them as almost a already a playoff team. I don't know how they couldn't be based on the talent level. They play in one of the easiest divisions, I think, in the NHL. Um, so it's going to be interesting uh, to see what happens this year. But that's the most thing. I'm interested to see, can Robin Leonard be this guy on a day-to-day basis? He's young enough to be able to play in net every single day, but it's a tall order. And I'll tell you what, if he doesn't have early success, it's going to be interesting to see how the Vegas Golden Knights fans react to Robin Leonard because there is still a lot of dissension for Marc-Andre Fleury. And like I said, um, like I said, uh, you know, it's going to be – Interesting, again, to see exactly what happens because fans have already forgotten about the gaffe. And here I bring it up again to remind them, but they've forgotten about the gaffe that that happened to to Marc-Andre Fleury in the playoffs. And I think that was the trade really helped alleviate that. So it was much better for him personally than probably he thinks or all fans think. But again, it quieted everyone. No one is talking about that simply because he's not a Vegas Golden Knight right now. If Marc-Andre Fleury was going to be between the pipes this season, believe me, that would be brought up on every radio show on every sports uh, show, show and definitely NH, every NHL show for a while until Marc-Andre Fleury did something spectacular. So I'll leave it at that at the Vegas Golden Knights. I think they'll have success this year. And I think this year as last, at least right now up front, I think they're, they've got to be one of the top five favorite teams to win the Stanley Cup this year. No doubt. So we're going to transition over to, uh, before I go into my NFL power rankings, I would like to talk, you know, do a team preview uh, of the game today with our local team, the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm actually going to be bringing on my dad for this segment. So first, we'll talk about what happened last week. Uh, I'll bring a full screen here so we can see. Yeah, what bring a screen. Goes. So there he is. Yeah, <laughs> there's my dad. <laughs> Good to see you, bro. So, uh, That's a Bo Jackson jersey, isn't it? It sure is, yes. It, it is. Spencer, one time when your dad's sleeping, just slip it out of his closet and bring that to me, please. <laughs> I think I have my own, too. <laughs> it's probably one of the only Raiders jerseys worth I got a, I got a Jim Plunkett jersey, my favorite all-time Raider, but, you know, that's me. All right, so go ahead, man. Let's, let's hear what the yeah. preview. Well, let's talk about the uh, last week's performance against the Steelers. Obviously, pretty shocking. I don't think anybody expected that to happen. The Steelers were the most bet team last week. They were only, I think, I think they were six point favorites. It got bet up to like closer to like seven and a half at some places, maybe seven. What did you see last week, Dad? And I mean, what happened? This is a completely different Raiders team from last year, it seems. Well, the most shocking part for us, obviously, has been the defense because you and I have talked about it ad nauseum about. We didn't think that they've done enough on the defense to get them better than what they have been in the past umpteen years that we've watched them. And if there was a way to give a coach coach of the year already, and that would be Gus Bradley because he has put our players in position to make plays, to make stops in uh, in big third down situations. It's really awesome to see because I haven't seen it in, uh, I, I guess, since we had a chance to go to the Super Bowl against Tom Brady uh, when during the tuck rule season. And um, 
it's just great to see. I love it. Brian, what, what did you uh, think about last week's performance, you know, against the Steelers? Oh, you know what? I, I think anybody that says they weren't somewhat surprised is probably full of crap. You know, you've got Raiders fans that are in denial that think they're the greatest team in the world right now. Well, I wouldn't go quite that far, but last week's game against the Pittsburgh Steelers was without question a surprise. Um, they played really well, and especially the Steelers coming off that emotional opening game win in Buffalo, and then to come home and lay an egg at Heinz Field. And I don't want to say that they laid an egg. I want to say the defensive pressure of the Raiders is something that anybody that's been following this team, and I especially you and and your dad Mark uh, know defense is not something that would start you would start a conversation with when you were talking about the the Las Vegas Raiders but now I think it is something you can bring into the conversation defensively they are definitely an improved team the people they brought in Denzel Perryman from uh, Carolina wow what a find he turned out to be had a great game last week against the Raiders putting all kinds of pressure on Roethlisberger taking him to the ground a few times um, and when you hurry an older quarterback like Ben you could see him clearly getting rattled clearly uh the the physical play of the Raiders was affecting him and offensively I mean Derek Carr last year might have played the best game I've ever seen him play as a Raider he was making every single pass efficiently on target you know we've talked to Caleb many times about what it takes to be a collegiate quarterback and what it takes to be an NFL quarterback in college there's basically three throws you have to make consistently and he said in the NFL it goes up to four throws plus you have to make additional reads I saw Derek Carr do everything spot on last week as good as, as an NFL quarterback can play he made every read I thought that he was looking at his secondary and third receivers of availability which is something very difficult to do with the speed of the National Football League is to be able to, to after you get done with your primary, to look at your secondary receiver, maybe your third and occasionally even a slot receiver coming across the middle as a fourth option. Carr was able to see every option. I didn't see him make very many mistakes. And if Derek Carr continues to play that he did last week and gets consistent like that, wow, I think, Spencer, we all have to stand a little bit corrected on the way we thought of Derek Carr just a couple of years ago because he's playing like he did the year they won 11 games before he went down. And unfortunately, the old MSU quarterback Connor Cook had to step in for him in that playoff game and didn't fare very well but Derek Carr is playing like he did during that regular season and um, I'm excited to see what the ceiling of the Raiders are because a lot of people are saying that don't pay enough attention hey they were 2-0 to start last season too but their two wins this year came against top quality playoff contending teams as opposed to just two teams so this Raiders team right now a lot of people are talking about them, and two games in, you would have to say they're the surprise of the NFL right now. No, and, and this is the thing I'll say about Derek Carr, and I certainly have been one of his detractors to a certain extent. I would, I kind of no, conceded more than to a certain extent. You've you've verbally beaten the hell out of Derek Carr, so okay, well, so here, go ahead with that. Here, here's the thing, you know, when he ha- when he had that uh, season-ending injury, when they had their uh, 12 or 11 wins under Jack Del Rio. Uh, he just didn't come back the same, and that's understandable. When you have an injury like that, most guys simply do not recover for the rest of their careers, and clearly we're seeing a fearless Derek Carr again. You know, he had his ankle rolled up upon, and he just kind of shook it off. It's like he refuses to be injured again. So he, he just has that mindset that I never expected to see from him. And here's the thing about the Raiders' uh, offseason is that they were actually horrible until the last, I don't know, like month of the season, maybe a week, you can say, two weeks. You know, they let Nelson Aguilar go. They let their entire offensive line go, which has, you know, 
definitely held up somehow so far this season, especially against even the Steelers, one of the best pass rushing teams. They got a huge break with the Watt injury. But nonetheless, the other guys, you know, they kept in check for the most part. And a lot of that has to do with Colton being such a good left tackle. That was actually a really good draft pick a few years back. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this, you know, let's think about their their last minute acquisitions of Casey Hayward, KJ Wright, Yannick and Dockway, you know, and then Perryman, obviously they traded for nothing like a, a late pick in the draft. So all those guys they got, you know, in the last month of the offseason and all of all of them have had huge seasons so far. And even Jonathan Abrams, who has certainly been out of position a lot this season, a guy who I think is still not the greatest player in the world, has made at least plays on the football this season. That was something he was out of position and didn't make plays last season. And he's doing that now. So we'll transition in today's matchup. They're playing Jacoby Brisket, as I like to call him. He's soft. Uh I don't, I mean, this is the definition of a trap game for me. You know, everything's lined up. They beat two playoff opponents. They're playing a team that looks like they're falling apart at the seams. Tua has, uh, you know, fractured ribs. They're playing the backup. And uh, this is a Raiders team that's red hot. Uh, Brian, we'll, we'll start with you. I mean, what do you think is going to happen today, you know, with the Raiders? Is this just going to be by the books, like they should win and they will? Or is it going to be classic Raiders to lose a game like this? Well, first of all, Spencer, I want to say one guy's name you didn't mention that you need to mention. Another guy you have been all over like a hobo on a ham sandwich is Henry Ruggs. He has played really, really well. He has shown the ability to catch the ball more consistently this year. And granted, he's only in the second season in the National Football League. And, you know, and I've talked about that the intangible of Henry Ruggs is his speed. And we saw that last game when he ran away from everyone on another deep pass. He's now had two real deep, long connections so far in two games this year. He is definitely proving his worth. Was he warrant, Was it warranted to take him the number one receiver in the draft last year? I'm still not going to say that 100%. There were some really good ones that went last year, as we know. You know, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy. But I will say that uh, that, that you got to give Henry Ruggs some props. This guy is as fast as grease lightning, and if he catches the ball, consistently with his ability to run away from defenses he is going to be a very valuable player and intangible for the Raiders to go far this year and could eventually morph you know we're talking about how Brian Edwards might be the number one receiver of the the Las Vegas Raiders I still don't want to take that moniker away from Henry Ruggs yet so give him some props and yes Spencer I'm glad you gave Jonathan Abrams some props because yes he's not always in position he's not the fastest defensive back but what Jonathan Abrams brings is physicality and that's one thing that seems to be the Raiders are heading in the direction of being considered a physical defensive squad and players like Jonathan Abram help give them that reputation. So I think he's a very valuable asset to this team as well. But as far as the matchup today against Miami, the one thing in the the one thing that I have that bothers me, and C Win, I know is listening and Chris, you might agree with me. The thing that bothers me is why is the line down to four and four and a half points at most books when it's been up higher than that? That always scares me. They always seem to know something. To me, at Allegiant Stadium, Raiders Miami Dolphins without two of their starting quarterbacks, starting Jacoby Brissett. This to me is a seven to a seven and a half point spread. Why is it only a four and a half to a four and a half point spread? That worries the hell out of me. And that tells me that we don't know something that the experts know. So I love the Raiders in this game. I took a five pound parlay today here at the MGM Detroit last night and the Raiders headlined that. And on my parlay ticket, I'm looking right here. The Raiders are giving up four points. I think it's a steal, but something smells about that. 
I don't know, Doug back in the studio, I want to ask him, and I also want to hear Mark's uh, thoughts on this too, why this is only a four-point spread with Miami looking like a team on the downswing and the Raiders without question, not only looking like a team on the upswing, but looking like one of the better teams after two games in the NFL. Why only four points? What's wrong with that? Doug, you might start. I mean, you listen to the betting shows, you talk to these guys all the time. What the hell is four points? That doesn't see, are the Raiders not getting enough respect or am I missing something? No, I think uh, Spencer said it. I think a lot of people think, and I agree, I think this is an ultimate trap game. I also, whatever you think about Brissett, that style of quarterback play does not play or does play well against the Raiders in the past. Now, we'll see if they have truly changed their defense. And I agree with you. I was stunned last week with the defensive showing in Pittsburgh. But I think there's some factors there. And I think also... You know, that car, I know he's, you know, we'll see what he could do after a week. And he was playing on adrenaline, but that ankle is a huge concern because, as we know, Mariota's not there. So it goes to Peterman, who got a lot of reps in the preseason. But still, you know, you're just one hit away from Peterman being your quarterback. And I think that scares a lot of people, too. Dad, what do you, what's your take on the line tonight in the uh, game? Well, I, I agree with Brian. The line is the scariest thing about this game. How can it be? Four points? I mean, the Raiders are prime to make a big run here. I mean, they started out playing the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens and the Steelers, and they beat both of them. And the Miami Dolphins are coming in. No one's scared of the Miami Dolphins right now. I mean, I, I want to run down to the book right now and, and put a big bet on the Raiders, but the, they must know something and they must think this is going to be a close game, like a field goal game. Um, the Raiders are at home. They should win by more than a touchdown. Easy. I yeah, agree. And, and I was going to say, there's no, you know, weather obviously isn't an issue. They're playing on natural turf in an indoor stadium. <laughs> I mean, this, they really, won't even let UNOV touch that yeah, turf. Either, this really is, part. this really is a, a little bit of a head scratcher. And Doug has it perfectly when he says a trap game. This is that kind of a game where it could be a trap game for the Raiders. Maybe they squeak out a one or two point win. I think if they lose to the Dolphins, we're all scratching our heads today and saying, wow, a pretender. But again, it's the NFL. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. Miami's a professional franchise and Jacoby Brissett is not like he's coming into his first game ever. He does have experience at the NFL level and he has some success at the NFL level. It'll be an interesting game, but this game, I mean, to me, it weighs heavily Raiders and I agree with your dad. Get uh, you and that Bo Jackson jersey to a sports book and bet on the game. And one other thing, Mark, before we before we let Spencer talk it, one of the things I've always taught, my son does this, everyone I've been with, I said, here's the deal. If you make your bet, your room appears much cleaner than it actually is. So just it looks work, all right out, back work here. at making that bed a little bit better. And it would be perfect back there. It looked like you actually looks- keep your room clean. I, this is a lot better than his teenage years. I mean. <laughs> well, I was say, well, I just say the bed. Somebody taught me this years ago. You can have a messy room, but if you make your bed, it's an optical illusion. It looks I like your room, room is clean. And you almost did, Spencer. Your your room looks clean. That's what I said. Make that bed. It'd be perfect. <laughs> I'll tuck the corn. I think I did it too much at basic training. I'm kind of sick and over the whole making the bed thing. It was uh, it was exhausting doing it at 4.45 in the morning for each train. So I think I got it out of my system to just kind of make it, you know, as good as I can. Perfect. <laughs> Let's hope the Raiders make their bet against Miami today. That's all I got to say. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so while we have about four or five minutes before C- Coach Lambeer joins the show, I do want to go over my NFL power rankings just real quick. A few comments. Uh, here, Here's my list and – To me, there shouldn't be anything too shocking here. I saw a lot of lists that have the Baltimore Ravens at the number two spot. I'm going to ask everybody here, and I'll I'll start with my dad. I mean, 
have they, they obviously got a huge win against the Chiefs, but it feels like a lot of recency bias. I mean, they probably shouldn't have won that game. Their defense looks atrocious. How can you put them at the number two spot for a team that has won one playoff game under Lamar Jackson so far? Is number six right? Is it way too low? How do you feel about that, Dad? Yeah, the Ravens might be in the right spot, but I think you might have the Chiefs a little bit high because they, they've shown uh, they can be beat. And uh, I see they have the Rams number three. I think maybe I put the Rams over, over them. Uh, I've watched the Rams games this year. They look really good. They're great defense. And uh, now that they have a quarterback that can uh, get the ball distributed to their playmakers, uh, I, I would probably put the Rams over the Chiefs there. Brian, how do you feel about the Baltimore Ravens, and where would you rank them on your list? Well, I'm looking at the list, Spencer, and it's very impressive, actually. I know you put a lot of work into looking at this, uh, the top 10 teams in the National Football League. The team that I'm most most surprised with, you you look like the you look like the Seattle uh, general manager when he saw when he saw Quinn have this great game against the Lions, and he paid him ten million dollars. Green Bay plays great against the Lions; they lay an egg against New Orleans, and you've got them as the eighth ranked team in the National Football League. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, you know, I mean, it was a perfect storm. We saw them. The, the Lions hang with them in the first half, and I think the Lions are absolutely garbage this year. So we saw them hang with them. So that that concerns me. As far as the Ravens go, no, the Ravens a big win over the Chiefs yesterday. Number six is about right. Um, you know, we saw in game one, Lamar Jackson is inconsistent throwing the football still. He is without question the ultimate weapon when, when he when he runs the ball. I mean, he's just so hard to predict, and you, you have to have a spy that's capable of running with Lamar Jackson on him at all time. But he will make errant passes, and he does does make mistakes still at the quarterback position, things he's got to shore up. You know, Baltimore is thin in the running back position. They lost Dobbins for the entire season, uh, you know, with an injury first week or at least for half of the season. So that is a concern. Um, but, you know, I, I think six is fair. I'm just not sure. I don't know how you don't put Kansas City second. I know it's a, you get a little bit skeptical with that, but I don't know how you don't, still don't take. Right now, Tampa Bay number one, Kansas City number two. I don't know how you argue with that. Yes, the Rams are looking very, very good defensively. They may have the best defense in the NFL right now. Um, I like all the improvements they made. Matthew Stafford at times has looked incredible. But again, Matthew Stafford has no experience beyond the first round of the playoffs. So it's really going to be interesting to see when he gets into a pressure situation with a different team, how he'll perform. I want to think he'll perform eloquently. I think he'll he'll perform uh, up to the capabilities that everyone believes he will. But again, the jury's still out till it happens. San Francisco, uh, man, they're going to go as far as their defense is going to take him. Jimmy Garoppolo proved to us in the past he's not going to lead anybody anywhere without a good defense. Their defense needs to stay healthy this year. That was the big problem with San Francisco last year is they're on the defensive side of the ball. They lost five players. Well, when you lose five out of 11 players, it's going to change the dynamic of your football team. And offensively, again, Jimmy G has to play within control of himself, and the team has to be able to run the football, and they keep losing running backs. So that'll be interesting. Buffalo Spencer may be the team to move up, even though in game one they look pretty shaky against the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is still a team with a tremendous upside. I don't think Josh Allen's a fluke in any way, shape, or form. Stephon Diggs, still one of the most exciting wide receivers in the National Football League. And Buffalo, people don't talk enough about their defense. The Buffalo Bills have a championship-level defense. They really do. So fifth might be low for them. But overall, I like your I like your rankings. And the Cleveland Browns, man, everyone scratches their head. How good will Cleveland be? It's going to be really interesting. They've got a lot of talent, a lot lot of weapons and I think again when it comes down to the Cleveland Browns Baker Mayfield has to play within himself and their defense is going to have to play great football and they could be a contender this year 
Yeah, the one team that we – because uh, Coach Lambier will be coming on in just a couple minutes, so we have time for maybe to talk about one more team. And that's my number 10 spot, Arizona Cardinals, who I put over the Raiders as of right now. I'm going to uh, ask you, Dad, and, and you, Brian, real quickly your opinions. Like, are these guys pretenders, or should you believe in them? Kyler Murray obviously is – you know, putting up his best MVP candidacy that we've ever seen from him. A really big leap, it seems, you know, he has got to stay healthy. That's got to be part of it. He's running less, you know, using his athleticism more to find free space to throw the ball, which I think is a great thing. How much do you like this Arizona Cardinals team, and how much do you like Kyler Murray for this season? Which one of us you want to answer first, Spence? Uh, go ahead, Dad. Oh, well, the Cardinals deserve to be in the top 10 uh, as of right now. They're, they're playing in one of the toughest divisions in football, if not the toughest. So that, that's going to play out in the end when, they, you know, they have to play the Rams, they have to play the Seahawks. I mean, this is going to be some great football to watch. Uh, so one of these teams is going to fall. Uh, wh which one will it be? I mean, people, I guess, would say the Cardinals because they, they, they faltered last year, but they've bolstered their defense. They've gotten better on offense, and they're just a really fun team to watch. Brian? Yeah, 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 Spencer. I, I know Coach Lambeer's on the line, so I'll be quick with this. You know, the Arizona Cardinals are a wild card, and that wild card starts with their quarterback, who's a wild card, Kyler Murray. And really, Kyler Murray, you know, he's morphing into an NFL quarterback. Um, he needs to make make more um more football plays, if that you know, more intelligent football plays. I think that's his biggest issue. Is I think sometimes he makes quicker decisions than he, than he needs to. I think he's quick enough. I think the game maybe still needs to slow down a little bit more on Murray uh, for for Kyler Murray. But I think he has all the potential to lead the Cardinals deep. And again, with the Arizona Cardinals, like most teams, Spencer. Defense wins championship. Arizona defense is going to have to step up and play really good football. We know they've got players at the skill position. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, still one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League. Kyler, Kyler Murray, very dynamic. Larry Fitzgerald will still make you a player, too. They have the they they have the skilled positions covered. Defensively, I think there's a few holes still in Arizona's defense. But, again, they are a team that can go deep, and I think a lot of that is going to fall on the, the small arms and small shoulders of Kyler Murray he's going to have to play his best football this year for them to go forward. But Arizona is always going to be a fun team to watch. No doubt. So that was uh, my power rankings, a nice little discussion there. But without further ado, Brian and myself are extremely excited to welcome on Coach Bill Lambeer to the show. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're getting ready for the playoffs to come here soon, and you'll find out who you're playing tonight, too. Yeah, that's correct. In weird format, you don't know who you're going to play until four to eight hours before you play, but it is what it is. Hey, yeah, Coach. Uh, oh, go, 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 go ahead, go Spencer. On. Oh, I just wanted to say congratulations on your 300th career win. I'm sure Brian was probably going to echo the same sentiment. You know, only uh, one other coach in the history of the WNBA that was uh, – that's, of course, Mike Fibalt, who is the uh, current Mystics head coach. So congratulations on an incredible milestone. Uh, thank you. It's because I've been around a long time. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> hey, Coach. Uh, Brian, Brian Feldman here. Uh, I'm sitting here at the Renaissance Center in Detroit. The last time I was saying the last time I've been to the Renaissance Center was back when the roof caved in at the Silverdome and the Pistons were playing downtown and they actually played the Celtics down here in the playoffs and the New York Knicks. And I, I was down here at the Renaissance Center. I remember having to watch the Celtics celebrate their win and kind of disgusted me. But uh, getting ready to go to the Lions game tonight and checking out the new stadiums down here. It's pretty incredible what they've done with the Detroit area. Uh, Bill, how often do you get back to Detroit? Uh, a fair amount in the summer, in the wintertime, um, in and out. I work in the summer, so I'm not there, but I have a, a place up in Michigan also, so I spend a fair amount of time in Michigan. 
Well, I mean, no one will ever forget the Pistons runs here in in, in Detroit and uh, still something monumental and uh, created a culture that was that was pretty cool. But now in the WNBA, the WNBA, a, a new format in the playoffs, it is kind of weird. And how important was it for you guys, Bill, to finish as the number two seed overall in the WNBA and get those buys for basically the first two rounds of the playoffs? Well, that's that's what you play for in our league. Um, the, the double buy is is all important because a one game shootout, anything can happen from a sprained ankle to the referee screw it all up. Um, you, you, just, you just never know. So when you get in a series, that that's what's ultimate goal. And top two seeds get advanced right to the semifinals. So that's what we play for. We were able to accomplish that. But all we did was what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be here where we're at, and now uh, we have to go finish the job. Uh, yeah, so, uh, Coach, I, I wanted to talk about this Aces team, and, you know, they've seen a lot of development this year, but no one more than Kelsey Plum. 14.6 points, 38.6% shooting from the three-point line, and 93.4% from the charity stripe. You know, considering she's coming back from a torn Achilles, I mean, how did this all come to be to where she'd just be this good this year? Well, she works so hard. She's just a, she's, she's the hardest working player I've ever seen. She's in the gym all the time. She's very driven. Uh, to be successful, uh, she, she, she's got a super strong will. So she willed herself to get the opportunity to be where she's at. She's a very talented player, but she plays harder than anybody else out there. She never stops. She has great conditioning, uh, and it's just you know she's an energizer, energizer bunny. It doesn't stop. So that in itself lends to success. And she's worked on the game. I mean, her, her three ball, her three ball is spectacular, and she comes off the bench for us. She's the sixth woman of the year. Uh, to sacrifice for the good of the whole, which is a great trait for an individual player. Now, her goal also, the same as everybody else's, is to win a championship. It has been great to see Kelsey. She has grown exponentially now and really grown into her role in the WNBA and is playing the way I think everyone expected her when she was one of the all-time leading scorers in collegiate basketball for the women. Bill, it's crazy. Six Olympians, I'm counting Liz Gampage because if Liz is healthy, she plays for the Australian national team. Six Olympians on one team. Now, granted, you don't have as many teams in the WNBA as in the NBA, but that is basically playing with an all-star team. How much do you think that experience has helped uh, the players on your team? Well, I, I think it's a big positive for them playing the Olympics. Uh, they were all first-timers. Uh, you know, they they didn't know what to expect, and then they enjoyed themselves. They uh, four and one gold medals. Uh, you know, the two foreigners did not. Um, the uh, But it, it's they, they experienced it. And they, but the best part about professional sports and young players is when you're early in your career, you get recognized and you get accolades. Like Asia Wilson got most valuable player last year. Erica Hamby's had two players of the year. We have four Olympians right now. So it gets all the individual awards out of the way so they don't have to be selfish and they can be sacrificers for the good of the whole. And I think that's one of the biggest traits of our team that we have right now is everybody is sacrificing for the good of the whole. Uh, you know, Bill, they say they say that, um, you know, Brianna Stewart looks like, you know, just an incredible basketball player, maybe the best player in the WNBA. And and you've got so many other ambassadors in this game, Sue Bird, um, D- D- Diana Taraci. But yet when they talk about the face of the WNBA, the player that's the face, they do. Asia Wilson gets that moniker. Um, why would why, why would Asia Wilson be the face of the WNBA as opposed to like Brianna Stewart? Uh, you know, compared to Stewart, that's a good question. But you know, Jurassic and Super are exiting. They're they're you know forty years oldish, 
so the new face is coming along. I think Asia's more um, it, Stewart's, you know, UConn, you know, old guard, stoic. Uh, is more of everybody likes her. Uh, she's very energetic, very outgoing. Uh, she's involved in the, in the players' union, involved in, in, in advancing the sport and involved in the community. Just to face up who she is and what she commands her presence. I think she is the proper face of it, it, it happens because you're really good and it happens because you're successful, but it also happens because you're a quality person. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, one player that is extremely important to this team, of course, is Liz Cambay. She was uh, obviously, or she unfortunately contracted COVID-19. She came back for that season finale against Phoenix, played limited minutes. What can you tell us about her and her status, you know, when it comes to the playoffs and if she'll be ready for full minutes for that first playoff game or if she'll be limited again? Well, the time off took a lot out of her and, and, and COVID did too. So she, her stamina is drastically reduced. So she, She's not going to be an extensive minute player. Uh, she actually may come off the bench for us in the series, even though she's one of the best players in the world. Uh, it, it's yet rotations are going to be interesting because we're a different team. She's out for two and a half weeks. So we kind of evolved into a different team. So uh, we're going to utilize her. We're going to throw the ball down low, go get us baskets, get us rebounds, get us block shots. Uh, she's very talented in that regard. And I think she, she understands where she's sitting in right now because of the time off through COVID. Uh, I think we're in a good spot with her, and she's in a good spot with us, so I expect good things. Bill, I know it's a question no coach wants to answer, and they all say they don't care. They just they just want to you know look look at their game. But any preference as to who you guys play in your first game? And, and again, I know your answer, but I'm going to ask you the question anyway. Well, we're expecting to play Minnesota. Uh, there's no question about that. When they're the ones right in front of us, if they win, we play them. Uh, we expect them to win on their home court, so we're expecting to play them. The other two, Seattle, you always someone has to go through the defending champion. They, you know, you have to beat them. They're not just going to fall off the face of the earth. So there'll be a difficult matchup for anybody. Uh, Tarasi's able to play for Phoenix. They're going to be tough, and kind of get the best record. So yeah, it's it's going to be a struggle, but at the same time, I think we're up to the challenge. Uh, but my suspicion is we're going to be playing Minnesota come Tuesday night. Uh, you know, Coach, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, home games for the playoffs. Don't Obviously, don't know you're playing just quite yet. But uh, talk about the, you know, the energy inside the stadium. And, you know, maybe if you haven't seen a game just quite yet, like why people should come down to see this amazing product that you guys put on the court. Well, we're we're very talented. You know, we we, we have seven players that really double figures in a 40-minute game. So that's unheard of. <laughs> I don't think it'll ever happen again. Um, we're very talented. We, we're the highest scoring team in the league. We push the ball. We're the best shooting team in the league with the best percentage. Uh, we share the ball a lot. Uh, and we just have, we're fun to watch. Uh, and we win. <laughs> That's two pretty good combinations for people to come out and, and watch a game. And the league itself has also has improved dramatically year after year. And this is the best talent the league's ever seen. And it's actually the most competition for anybody that can win the league's ever seen. So it's, it's a great experience to be around. Very exciting product on the floor. The tragic loss of Kobe Bryant last year, who was probably the greatest ambassador that wasn't actually involved in the WNBA, but was based on his uh, his constant promoting of the league and stuff. And I don't know how you ever replace something like that. A player with his magnitude and his uh, his presence um, just sorely lost as just a human being on the face of the earth. But yeah, what he did for that league for the for the NBA, Coach. What's the difference between 
Bill Lambeer now and the Bill Lambeer that was playing for the Detroit Pistons back in the day? About 40 years. Um, I'm 40, 40 years, years older. <laughs> um, yeah, as a player, um, you play the game. Uh, and you're into it, and you're the show, and the whole bit. As a coach, you want the players to succeed. You, you, they're the air of the game. Um, you can't get in their space. Uh, coaches, only these coaches can screw things up. Uh, so the difference is I can't play the game. I'd love to play the game, but I can't, so I have to find other buttons to push to get the players to work together to play five-on-five five and win the game. Uh, but there's nothing like being a player. And, and People ask me, what's it like to play in a championship as a player and a coach? There's nothing like but as a player, and that's that's what you play for. Uh, a lot, lot more intensity, it seems, as a player. And I'll definitely say, from a member of the media from Detroit to there, you've mellowed a little bit. I don't know if you like to hear that or not, but but I can say it as a member of the media. Last question, Coach. What is it going to take for the Aces to get over the hump and get Las Vegas their first major professional championship because a lot of people felt it would be the Vegas Golden Knights. Spencer and I have been saying for a while we think it's going to be the Aces. What's it going to be take going to take this season for you guys to bring home that first championship? I think mental toughness. Um, everybody, every team in this playoffs going to you know at one point face adversity uh, in a game or in a series, and we just have to have the mental toughness to look at the team in the face and tell them they're not going to win. Uh, healthy, staying healthy is a big part of any, any series and any championship run. I expect everybody to be healthy, but I think the mental toughness part, uh, you, you don't know what it takes to win until you win your first one. The second one's always easier. And so we're trying to get our first one, and we're going to have some adversity. If we can push through that, I think our talent will take over. Thank you so much for joining the show, Coach. We really appreciate it, and good luck. Uh, well, first, I guess, finding out who your opponent is today, but more importantly, for that first home game on Tuesday. Take care. Take care. Thank you. All right, Brian, that was uh, obviously for all our listeners. That was Coach Bill Lambeer, the head coach of the Las Vegas Aces. We have just a couple of minutes, maybe one and a half. Let's go over our picks. Brian, I don't know if you got that prepped at all. I am 2-0. and You are 1-1. One one. So I took an early season lead, mostly because the Lions had a backdoor cover, I think, against the 49ers in that first week. Uh, I took the Broncos last week. Um, I, I think you – I don't remember who you took, unfortunately, but uh, we'll figure that out. But any picks for this week? I took the Packers. You know who I took. I went oh, against sorry. the Lions <laughs> yeah, both the right. first two weeks, so I'm 2-0. and <laughs> And, you know, I'll tell you what. You know, I really do like the Raiders only giving up the four points uh, today to the Miami Dolphins at home, but something smells bad about that game. I'm going to take the Cardinals in Jacksonville. I think the Jaguars are a garbage team. I think, uh, you know, I think they're improving. They're a growing team, but I think it's going to be an awfully tall order. I think the Cardinals were ridiculed about their home game last week in Minnesota. Basically should have won that game other than a short missed field goal. The Cardinals would be one and one right now. I think they rebound this week, play a better game, and I think they pound the Jacksonville Jaguars. I will take the Tennessee Titans uh, playing against the Colts. A double ankle sprain. Carson Wentz is going to be carted out onto the field and probably carted off as well. We used to have a fan pick, Ad. Do you have any like thing off the top of you? Oh, oh, the pick of the day is definitely the Chicago Bears getting seven and a half points against the Browns. I mean, come on, the Bears have a defense, and they're gonna they're gonna uh, charge out there with uh, Justin Fields. 
I mean, this guy is going to light the NFL up this weekend. You watch and see. Okay, yeah, we're, we're, we're pressed for it. time. Doug, yeah, it. Good pick. <laughs> you I'm see that I got the Browns team. pick on my – you see it right there? There's the Browns. I took them too. I like that, man. We're going to get kicked out here. That's Brian Feldman, host of Out of Line. I'm Spencer Lewis. That was my dad, and we'll see you guys next week on Sunday morning, 8 o'clock. Bye-bye.